Hello, and welcome to the Eastern Front. My name is Giselle Donnelly, and I'm a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. I'm joined by Yulia Joja, a senior fellow at the Middle East Institute, and my AEI colleague, also a senior fellow, <laughs> uh, Dalibor Rohash. On our podcast, we talk about the many challenges to European peace that emerge and have emerged along a line running from the Baltic Sea to the Black Sea. This we call the Eastern Front. And we also talk about why these issues in this region matters to the United States. If you enjoy this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and again, welcome. Today, we're going to be talking primarily to Yulia Zhoja, and we want to talk about the southeastern part of the Eastern Front, in particular, the Black Sea states like Romania and Bulgaria. Uh, Yulia, these states have relied uh, possibly uh, as much or more than any of the other uh, newly freed states in Europe on American security guarantees and a partnership with the United States. Um, in the current context, facing the prospect of war in Ukraine, uh, uh, nerves in these capitals must be uh, uh, more wracked than ever. Can you give us your take on uh, what attitudes are? So, yeah, the nerves are wrecked, but it depends on the capital that you're looking at. Um, so what I guess here in D.C. we tend to overlook is that Romania is not Bulgaria. Bulgaria is not the Baltic countries. The Baltic countries are not the Czech Republic, etc. But narrowing it down to the Black Sea, where, if we think about it, all Russian aggression has taken place over the last decades. Georgia invasion 2008, 2014, um, Ukraine, the threat perceptions um, of the NATO Black Sea countries are very different and also their reliance on the United States. So right now, um, the discussions are the following. If you look at Bulgaria and their special ties to, um, to Russia, they recently declined extra help from NATO for air policing because, um, as their president said back in 2016, when he um, also vetoed um, at that point a NATO Black Sea fleet, he said, we want peace and love in the Black Sea. <laughs> Whereas in Romania, where I come from, things are much closer than um, what we know here from Poland or the Baltic countries. Not many people know that um, Romania is one of the most pro-U.S. Atlanticist countries. Um, but what is going on there is, is special, too, in that um, Romania is traditionally, with historical experiences, rather Russophobic, um, but is also very much reliant on the United States. So if I look at Romanian news um, on Ukraine for the last two months, maybe, um, the narrative is the following. On one side, everybody asks, will the United States help us if Romania gets invaded? On the other side, no one asks with how Romania can help Ukraine. Really, unlike the Balts and the Poles, um, this is not a question. But, um, but then to kind of give you one or 
very briefly two examples of how Russia and the threat from Russia is perceived, how acutely it is perceived in countries like Romania. Last week in Newsweek Romania, a very famous journalist published a piece that was maybe 100 or 200 words long, and I won't um, read the whole translation, but in essence he says, um, at the end of World War II, your grandfathers, Romanian grandfathers, were looking at the sky, waiting for the Americans to help them free them from communism. Your parents, who suffered from hunger and under dictatorship, again waited for the Americans to come. And now you drive your German BMWs and go to the grocery stores that are fully stocked, and you're waiting for the Russians to come again. And the other story connected to that, and, and with this I'll finish my little rant about, <laughs> about what is going on is the re in the region, is a bit of a personal anecdote. When I was a kid, uh, my best friend and I, well, he was getting a dog, and we thought, what was the best name that we could give our dog? And we didn't know much about the United States and what is going on in the world, but we knew from our parents that... Um, if the Americans are coming, it's the best thing that can happen to Romania. So guess what we named our dog? NATO. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a great, super Fetch loyal, <laughs> super loyal, super fierce Get up watchdog. off the couch, NATO. <laughs> can, I, can, I, you know, can I ask you um, to, to unpack for our listeners the specific nature of the threat that countries like Bulgaria and Romania are facing? Because I think it is well understood among Americans what sort of challenge the Baltic states or Poland are facing being right mm -hmm. next to Russia and, and, and being you know, quite literally indefensible on their, on their, on, on, on their own. Uh, but what, what, what exactly is the sort of nature of the, of the, of, of the challenge in, in, in the Black Sea region? Is it, you know, who controls the sort of naval routes in the Black Sea region? Are Bulgaria, Romania facing a sort of similar risk of, of being invaded, like, say, the Baltic countries might? Uh, is there an issue of energy dependence on Russia sort of manifesting itself to the same extent as, as, as in other parts of, of, of Central and Eastern Europe? Uh, if you could just sort of summarize to us what, uh, what, what, what the sort of key issues at stake are and why Americans should care. Yeah, it's all of that, really, what you just um, listed. Uh, it's uh, gas or energy dependence, not of Romania, that's um, mostly independent, but of the majority of countries around the Black Sea, Ukraine, Bulgaria, etc. It's also a lot about um, military, the possibility of military invasion, the fact that um, after 2014, it wasn't just the annexation of Crimea, but it was this anti-axis area denial in, in military terms, a no-go zone that Russia built up um, with military capabilities in the Black Sea that, by the way, it is now using to project even beyond the Black Sea outward power into the Eastern Med, etc. But that has meant over the last few years restrictions and freedom of navigation. They basically closed off the Azov Sea for not just Ukrainians, but everybody in terms of of maritime traffic. And then these uh, military capabilities in Crimea and beyond um, from Russia have um, at the onset 
kind of a bit distorted being perceived here in the U.S. and in, in countries around the region as being purely defensive. But it was built out into such an offensive um, package of military capabilities that is now, it is now a threat, a direct threat to NATO territory, including Romania. Invasion of Romania by Russia is not very likely right now, but we have historical um, uh, experiences with that, ample ones. So that's a major fear. And then there's this whole corner of southern Ukraine. Where do the Russians uh, move next into? Is it Mariupol? Is it Odessa? Um, is it Moldova, where we've seen um, in the last few weeks news and intelligence reports of a military buildup um, of Russian forces that are illegally uh, stationed in Moldova? now in Transnistria for three decades. Um, if we think about NATO contingency plans, if uh, NATO territory around the Black Sea gets invaded, then we have major military problems. And so they're trying. Romania, just like Poland, just like the Baltic states, are trying to get ready. They have been investing a lot in military capabilities, but I would say that to kind of wrap up with what is the role of the United States in this or why should it care, United, the United States has three military bases in Romania, has invested a lot into that. Romania has two. Um, but at the this stage in time, I guess we are not ready to defend ourselves yet. We need the United States not just in terms of military aid, but in terms of political leadership, um, because I think it was Bismarck who said for an alliance, you need a rider and a horse. And I'm a loyal and super proud European, um, but um, in, so it's hard for me to admit that. But I think the United States is really needed in on the Eastern Front and overall in European security, as we've seen over the last few weeks, to rally together political will and solidarity and help for Ukraine and beyond, because the conflict um, with Russia is not just about Ukraine. So you're not swayed in your Atlanticist convictions by President Macron's promise to station additional French troops <laughs> in Romania? No, I think that's just a gimmick. Waiting for Napoleon's horse. <laughs> <laughs> just to, if we could say, you made me really excited when we started talking about geography and military geeky stuff. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I would like to pile on a little bit, if I may, uh, particularly about Romania. First of all, I mean, you mentioned that there are three U.S. bases there. Romania was a really critical um, uh, supply node and uh, part of the air bridge that allowed the United States yeah. to project power uh, into the Middle East post 9-11. And that just element of geography uh, remains true. Uh, and not only for uh, uh, connecting to the Middle East, but uh, as you suggested, uh, we have to think about the Black Sea not only in and of itself, but as the point of Russian access to the Mediterranean and to the world, really to the uh, warm water oceans of the world. Um, the, the Russians have not only uh, seized uh, Crimea and Sebastopol and uh, maybe contemplating a, a way to try to connect Crimea, uh, a land corridor, to, yeah. to Russia directly. Uh, but also they have their base uh, in Syria. That's uh, right. Hard so this, this goes back to the time of the Tsars, 
um, the, the desire for Russia to uh, be the dominant maritime power in the Black Sea and to project power into uh, the Eastern Mediterranean is as vital as it's ever been. And if we are, if we are to check that, uh, um, uh, a position in Romania and elsewhere mm -hmm. uh, on the northern coast of the Black Sea uh, it is really quite critical. And we can't necessarily rely on the Turks one way or the other <laughs> to be, uh, you know, sometimes they'll be on our side and sometimes they won't, sort of as they see their own interests. But in the discussion about Ukraine, and this was true in Georgia, uh, but especially true in Romania as well, uh, we have to see that the knee bone is connected to the thigh bone. It's not just about the Black Sea per se, uh, but about uh, the overall defense of, uh, you know, Western Europe uh, and Central Europe. Um, uh, this is not something that is brought up very much in the current context of what may or may not happen in Ukraine, but I think you make a really critical point here. So what's the question? Uh, well, the question is, <laughs> don't you agree with me? And aren't I, am I not really? <laughs> uh, but uh, you might, um, I mean, I, I'm sure Romanians yeah. are, are cognizant uh, of this, and it would, it would be good if there were a, an articulation of uh, the Romanian national point of view, but also the regional point of view. If I can just add to that, um, so it strikes me that uh, the, these challenges that you've both described uh, should apply equally to to both Romania and Bulgaria. Yet, as you yeah. as you alluded to, there is a fairly significant divide in how how these things are perceived in Sofia mm -hmm. than than in Bucharest. Uh, and I wonder how how you account for that. I you know I can have some like tentative explanations that I could offer, but but I presume it might be best to hear it from you. Yeah. Why Why the Bulgarian debate is so different from, from the Romanian one? Yeah. Uh, let me try to connect the two by starting off with what you were asking me, Dalibor. Um, you know, back in the 80s, um, Romania was this uh, dictatorship that was trying to move away from the Warsaw Pact, fearing the Soviet Union because of... 1945, World War II, World War I before. And so Russophobia, if you'd like to call it that, was amped during um, communist times and continued um, into the 90s and into today. Whereas in the 80s, if you had the chance, not many did, to travel through Bulgaria, you would see um, everywhere these signs about the Bulgarian-Soviet friendship um, on every corner. And so that is telling in kind of imagery and visual um, where why these two countries are different because of different historical experiences and nowadays also because of different degrees of Russian influence. Um, Romania has the luxury of being energetically or energy independent. Uh, Bulgaria isn't. Um, Bulgaria has a lot of um, Russian assets and Russian investment on its ground, Romania doesn't. And so this is kind of where you can strike the difference between the two. And it's telling what I think it was this morning or yesterday when there was like one of these extra statements from the Kremlin specifying 
oh, actually, we did not want, uh, we're not demanding of the United States to withdraw its troops and actually NATO membership from Romania and Bulgaria, which they initially did, but just from Romania. <laughs> um, so, so that's pretty telling. Now, in terms of how to combine it with um, the Eastern Med um, and what can the United States expect and sort of push or lobby Romania and others willing and able in the region to do um, is, I guess, the premise of that is that we here in, in Washington, D.C., Massachusetts Avenue and beyond, <laughs> um, we here um, would have to do a better job in combining on a strategic level the two regions, Eastern Med, Black Sea, if you want, all the way to the Caspian in two sort of dimensions. On one side, energy, looking at pipelines and um, energy dependence or independence that is super interesting in the region and in full development with Russia trying to get the upper hand with other actors like Azerbaijan emerging or even Israel nowadays and the possibility of pipelines all the way to um, to Europe. Um, so the energy thing on one side and then the military power projection on the other side. Indeed, back to um, Giselle's question, Russia has always seen since the Tsar time, uh, since the empire, that the Black Sea is sort of the core and the necessity for projecting power into warm waters. And they have been really following up on that over the last years, especially since 2014. So initially connecting, using um, military capabilities in the Black Sea to project power into Syria, um, then building up the, the Syrian um, military presence in, in Syria to project now power into Libya and beyond. And these connections and build-up, Russian build-up that is threatening now in increasingly not just to NATO Terry, not just to the United States, but other um, U.S. allies in the region is something that uh, we have seen mar in, on maritime um, issues, on land uh, uh, force and land warfare issues, and in the air. Um, we see increasing reports of how worrying that is. But to sort of wrap up, I think here in D.C. we haven't grasped yet how to connect um, the two regions in, in strategic terms. That, that seems like a great uh, point to, to conclude on, uh, Yulia. And uh, it goes very much to our purposes, I think, in this podcast is to help uh, our audience and to help Americans in particular see the large picture and how the dots uh, really are connected. So from from me, Giselle Donnelly, Julia Zoza, and Albert Rohat. Thanks to the audience for listening to the Eastern Front. Our podcast is dedicated to security challenges arising along a line that stretches from the Baltic Sea to the Black Sea. You can find more episodes and additional content on our website, aei.org, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please be in touch with us on Twitter using the hashtag EasternFrontPod. That's all one word. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing us. Thank you so much, and goodbye until next time. <laughs>